and we're going to define small businesses as one to five owners, let's say, and 10 or less employees. And they come to me and they say, well, I think I should incorporate or I'm going to do an LLC to protect my liability. And I'm not a lawyer, so I can't really discuss definitively all the legal aspects of liability. But I would tell you very generally is that if you're in a very small company like the one we described, you're not really going to be able to affect any kind of liability protection. And the reason is because you are the business. You're the employee, you're the owner, you're the janitor, you're everything. And at that point, it's very difficult for you when you are the business to separate yourself from the business from a liability standpoint. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast where we interview a large spectrum of entrepreneurs that have started their businesses later in life. Learn, be inspired, and get motivated by their stories so that you can take your life's experiences and turn them into your next venture. And now your host, Jack Uhalde. Joining me today on the Brand 50 Podcast is certified public accountant Andrew Newman. Andrew is a lead partner in the accounting firm Newman & Associates, which offers quality, personalized financial guidance for individuals and small businesses like the people at Brand 50. The IRS and taxes are subjects that most people, quite frankly, just want to dismiss. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't want to end up in jail or actually do want to make some money in your business, then you better figure out how to do your business correctly when it comes to taxes. Andrew's here to help us figure this out, right, Andrew? Because it's it's really very simple. Ha. Yes, it's, it's very simple. It should be a very short podcast. If you're <laughs> if you're just about to finish your coffee, it should be done by the time you put your cup down. <laughs> so, how does one set up a business? You know, it's one of these things. I'd like to use Brand Fifty as an example in this podcast because we are in a you know in a position right now where we're trying to actually figure out what to do. We don't plan on making. Mm-hmm any money in the immediate future. Right now, this is more or less a hobby for us. But eventually, you know, we do think that there might be an opportunity to make a little a little money here. And it's something that we're doing. We're setting up this as a side business right now. But it's, it's again, it's more of a of a hobby. And we hope sure. that we can make eventually money off of this. But for someone like us, Rob and our cousins, we're going to this business venture together. For two people that are have formed a partnership, what would you say, like, how does one set up their business? So first things first, I think that Simple is always better, and you would not necessarily change the type of entity you are just because you think it's a great idea to do it. There's some really good reasons why you'd want to be particular entity types, and there's a lot of bad reasons why people end up changing the type of entities that they are. So when you start out your business, if you buy yourself and you open your door, by definition, you're a sole proprietor. That just simply means you're in business by yourself. If you go into business with somebody else, regardless of whether you give it a name or not, you're simply a partnership. And if you guys hadn't branded yourselves, you'd be, you know, you and your cousin. And that would be the name. And that would be okay, too. You don't, when you're a partnership, you don't have to do anything formal to name that partnership. So then why do people land up changing the type of entity they are and formalizing their agreements? The most common reason that people give me for forming a corporation is to limit liability. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit because, you know, there are many different types of entities to choose from. There's 
corporations, there's partnerships we mentioned already, sole proprietorships, there's something called a limited liability corporation, which is a corporation that sort of acts like a partnership. And what you'll find is unless you have some dynamic idea which is going to attract many investors where your business strategy is one where you plan on getting a lot of seed money or there are other reasons like you're going to go after grant funding, then there's really very little good reason to go through that formalization process right at the beginning. What it does is it increases your costs and your overhead and also your reporting requirements without providing you very much in the way of benefit, if anything at all. And let me try to give you an example. On a very simple level, if you're a sole proprietorship, you in business by yourself, you have to report your income and your expenses for your business, and you're simply going to do that on your personal tax return on something called the Schedule C. And on that Schedule C, you're going to report the income of your business and the expenses of your business. And whatever that net, whatever that we call the net income, the difference between all the income you received and the expenses that you had, is going to be taxable on your personal tax return. I would say a good 85 to 90% of all business in America is run that way. So then people, individuals, or small businesses, and we're going to define small businesses as one to five owners, let's say, and 10 or less employees. And they come to me and they say, well, I think I should incorporate, or I'm going to do an LLC to protect my liability. And I'm not a lawyer, so I can't really discuss definitively all the legal aspects of liability. But I would tell you very generally is that if you're in a very small company like the one we described a minute ago, you're not really going to be able to affect any kind of liability protection by forming a limited liability company. And the reason is because you are the business. You're the employee, you're the owner, you're the janitor, you're everything. And at that point, it's very difficult for you when you are the business to separate yourself from the business from a liability standpoint. So let me jump in here. So in, okay. our, in our situation, and I'm going to use this as an example and as a thread and try and compare it to some okay. other folks in our situation. But in our situation, we want to keep it. This isn't going to be, we're not going to go after venture capital money in the rest of it. Okay. Like many people that are sort of in our age group, they're looking for potentially, you know, maybe in retirement, working part-time, having their own side business, their own side hustle, or maybe they're interested in developing a business full-time, quitting their job and going full-time, probably keeping it small potatoes. In our case, it would be a partnership. So you would advise maybe to set up a limited liability partnership? Uh, well, I think you're jumping ahead a little bit. Okay. So the question is, is the limited liability part of it even worth the time or the effort? I would advise you that for the most part, it's not. For us, because, it, would, for us it wouldn't be, quite no. frankly, because if we're just developing and producing content in a website, so there's not going to be a whole lot of liability issues. Well, right. And let's say you did have a liability issue. I would contend that for the most part, having a limited liability company is not going to save you anything. Right. Okay. Because you can always get an insurance be, policy, right? right? You can always get a, like an umbrella liability policy. What you just said is exactly the point. So 
once you go through the formalization of the organization into some sort of a limited liability entity, you're immediately incurring the costs of forming that organization. And if you do it properly, you're not going to do it through legal Zoom. You're going to go to a lawyer or somebody who knows what they're doing so that it's set up properly so that if there is any liability protection, you are affecting it properly. But even beyond that, there's the cost of creating the organization. Then there's the, in California, the annual franchise tax, which you're going to pay out of the gate of $800 every year before you've even earned a dollar. And, you're going to lend up- and this is under what? Is this as a, a limited liability corporation? Any kind of uh, yeah, limited liability company, you're going to pay this to California. It's called a franchise tax, and it's a minimum of $800. And then you're going to file another tax return. You're going to have to file a tax return. And in most of the areas in the California, that's going to start at $600 and start going south from there. So the thing that I say to a lot of my clients is, how much insurance can you buy for $1,500? Buy a lot. And then you can buy a lot of insurance. Yeah. And the other thing that happens often is people get talked into forming what's called a single-member limited liability company or single-member LLC. And the intention there is, oh, we're going to protect our liability, but it's a very simple. It's a single-member. It's only me. It's not even me and my wife. And even if it is me and my wife, it's still considered a single-member LLC. And the problem with that is it's not even recognized federally. It's only recognized in California. So then you're still paying the extra $800. You still have to file an extra return, and it's not even recognized outside of the state of California. Okay, so let's, for the purposes of this exercise, we're going to eliminate anything to do with corporation. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. Right? I wouldn't so, so no, no, we're not there yet, though. We're not there yet, okay. Right? Because there is, there is a good reason from a tax perspective to form a corporation. There's one type of corporation right now that does provide you some tax benefit, and that's the S-Corp. The one thing I did not mention is that when you form a business, right, and you make income, that income is subject to self-employment tax. Right. Self-employment tax is the same tax that your employer pays for you and you pay for yourself on your paycheck or that you see on your W-2 every year. The company that you work for pays half of it and you pay half of it. But when you run your own business, you pay half of it and you pay half of it. Right. So you'll end up paying uh, roughly 15.2% tax on every dollar you earn and then – on every dollar you earn in your business and then you then pay income tax on it, right? Right. And that can hurt, especially when it gets to be a big number. So usually I say to businesses – that you do sort of a cost-benefit analysis. And at the point where you can pay yourself a wage through your business, uh, such that you're paying yourself a fair wage for the kind of work you're doing in your business, and you're still making income, significant income beyond that, such that you would be saving a lot in self-employment taxes, it then makes sense to incorporate, not for any of the liability reasons, but for the tax savings reasons that would be available to you. Okay. But let me back up for a second here. Let's just, again, we're going to focus on the Brand 50 person. And let's say that person is going to do this on the side. This is a sidepreneur for okay. now, right? And there isn't going to be any income, but we have expenses. Okay. I just had to buy this, mm-hmm. this beautiful, sure. by the way, Andrew, I just bought a really nice 
15-inch Mac. It's really, really nice. But it cost me <laughs> a couple of thousand dollars, and I bought right. it specifically for Brand 50 to do this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So I buy this. I have expenses associated with this business. How can I write this off? If it were by yourself, you would write it off as a business expense on your Schedule C. Mm-hmm. And between you and your partner, you're going to figure out how you're going to share your expenses and how you're going to write them off. So with a partnership, you can be fairly flexible. You can say, all right, for right now, I'm going to write off the expenses that I have to pay and you write off the expenses that you have to pay. Um, and when we start making money, we'll share it however we're going to share it. Okay, so on the expense piece of this, so assuming we're not making any money for, let's just say we're not making any money in two or three years. Right. Uh, the IRS probably doesn't like people not making money for two or three years. Is that Would that be a red flag if you're using well, deductions? Well, it, it's potentially a red flag. You'll have to show them or prove to them that you're treating this like a business and it's not just a side hobby. And there are very clear and defined rules if you go to irs.gov and type in what is a hobby or you know, hobby rules, they call the hobby rules, you can see very clearly when or how they define hobbies and whether you have a hobby or not that you're dealing with. Let's just let's talk about, let's say Steve. Steve is a, a sidepreneur looking, he's 53 years old, and he's mm-hmm. looking to eventually turn his business into a full-time business. And he is going to have expenses and some, some income coming in. Let's say mm-hmm. his income is very modest at this point, and he's a sole proprietor. How does that all work? So that would come when Steve goes and does his taxes. Does he have to do the taxes separately for the business, or how does that work with your individual tax return? Steve has figured out that he has a legitimate business that he's trying to build. So he's going to accumulate all his expenses, and he's going to report those on a Schedule C, which is simply a business section of a personal tax return. So if you think about your 1040 federal tax return, you have a Schedule A, which is all your itemized deductions, and a Schedule B, which is all your interests and dividends. And then the third one is a Schedule C, which is your business income and expenses. I would tell you that the IRS actually has a fairly terrific publication also at irs.gov, which will walk you through what's an allowable deduction and what is an unallowable deduction. All right, so we probably bored the heck out of a lot of people right now with all this this talk, but if the reality of the situation is is you really need to figure this piece of it out. Taxes and deductions and everything else is so very very important when you're you know especially when you're starting out. Right. Are there any examples of folks that you've worked with before? Like what are some common mistakes people make when they set up their small business initially? Well, I think that from a tax perspective, that's sort of a different question. But I think the most common mistake is they want to formalize, they want to create a corporation. And then in some cases, because they think they have a great idea, they're going to create a Delaware corporation, which is probably the biggest mistake I see California businesses make where, you know, I have a good biotech idea, I'm going to look for some financing, I'm going to start my company, and I'm going to create a Delaware corporation because Delaware corporations are the best. Nobody knows why Delaware corporations are the best, mind you, but everybody wants to be a Delaware corporation. And what happens then is you end up paying taxes in Delaware <laughs> and in California because you can't do business in California and not pay taxes in California. You can incorporate in any state you want, 
a lot of people like to incorporate in Arizona sometimes. But if you're going to do business in California, you are going to pay taxes in California. Um, and that's just it. There's no way around that. If your office is in California, you're paying taxes in California. Let's say you do start your business and you don't incorporate right away. Well, another common mistake is people don't get a business license in the county or city in which they live or don't take the time to figure out exactly what the rules are for that county. For example, you guys have a brand name for your business. I would hope that you went to your county and received a fictitious business license to use that fictitious name to represent your business because you have an obligation to do that. That's the law. If you're operating a business out of your home, you fairly often have to disclose that to your city so that they know, and that would be part of your business license application. I always encourage people who are starting their own businesses to call their insurance company and make sure that they are aware and that they note on their policies that they're running a business out of their home. Because in the unlikely event of a serious problem, you wouldn't want the insurance company to turn around to you and say, well, you didn't tell us you were running a business out of your home, so we're not covering that. Interesting. Or you didn't tell me that you're running a personal business and you had a car accident and you were driving somewhere for your business and uh, we're not going to cover that. That's a very, very good point. Without citing the business, is there anything specifically where you've worked on where you you like, wow, I mean, this is this wasn't done right from the very beginning. Is there like an, an example maybe of a small business you can think of? There are always little things. You know, sometimes you start running a business almost by mistake. You know, you're, you're working on an idea. Next thing you know, you have a business going. And that's all great. But what happens is... You recognize that it's a business at the point where you have to provide your taxes at the end of the year. I just dealt with a company right now where, you know, I sort of said to them, they gave me their information for their taxes, and I said, well, that's all very good, but by the time all this information that you're showing me is showing income and expenses for your business, what happened before you started making money? What happened to all that activity? And they had never taken the time to accumulate all the investment, if you will. No, I'm not talking blood, sweat, and tears. I'm talking about dollars. you know that first computer, or the dollars, the cost of speaking to the lawyer the first time. These are all expenses that will either – well, firstly, they're all expenses of the business either way. And usually they represent a financial investment of your part into the business. Though you wouldn't th- it's not like you took $10,000 and put it into the business bank account. But you, before you even had the business bank account, you had all these expenses to get to the point where you're in the business bank account. And you want to be able to uh, claim those expenses. So those are the kind of, kind of things. I think if you have a trusted tax advisor uh, or a lawyer, you know, you're embarking on something that's going to make money and will be an investment for you. So... Take the time to spend an hour with your lawyer or with your CPA, probably with both independently, and say, what should I look out for? You know, what's the right thing for me? Because everything I tell you is all very well, but to some extent, it is dictated by your particular circumstance. Sure. Everybody's situation is different. No, definitely. I've got one last question for you, and that is, let's say we decide with Brand 50, we're, again, right now, we're not looking at making any money for a few years. But let's just say this thing explodes and all of a sudden we're making money hand over fist and we are out 
doing major productions and there's there's you know there's potential liabilities safe to say right that we can switch from a from just a partnership to a some some sort of like an s corp or a corporation of some kind sure right Right. so you you can do you can change it anytime you can some things are harder to change from than others usually when you're changing from a situation where how do i say this where money's flowing through to your personal return so that would be a partnership an s corp or a sole proprietorship if you're Changing from them into a regular corporation, it's easier than the other way around. It's not that it can't be done, but it's just more difficult to do it the other way. There's more to account for. Okay. So, look, at at the end of the day, the the point of this podcast is really to help get people sort of – Give them some brief information. The tax code is incredibly complicated. So, obviously, you mentioned – it's always best to see a CPA for taxes, and if there's some legal issues, to see your lawyer. If folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Through my website, www.na-cpa.com. They can book an appointment and chat with me anytime they want. They're welcome to reach out to my email or my phone, and I'm happy to provide feedback or maybe point them in the right direction for issues that are of concern or special concerns that they may have. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information on all of our guests, go to brand50.com, where you'll find show notes and other resources to help guide you through the next exciting phase of your life. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, along with other platforms, and write us a review while you're there. You can also sign up for our email list on our site to get the latest podcast updates. We promise you won't get a constant barrage of emails from us, and you can bet we'll protect your privacy as well. You can also follow us on social media accounts listed on our site. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.